You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Man, we are getting close. Football season almost here. SEC Media Days coming up. We'll have a ton of coverage from Hoover as we're looking forward to certainly bringing you uh, interviews with uh, media personalities, coaches, players, the whole nine yards. So it'll be right here on your Locked On SEC football podcast. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. Don't forget to go to Twillery.com. That's Twillery.com. Use the Locked On promo code. Get $25 off a fantastic selection of shirts. You're going to love Twillery.com. So, we start off with the news and notes of the day with uh, Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com and Vanderbilt uh, with a commitment. Now, I'm curious, Chris, first of all, how many times do you see Vanderbilt go toe-to-toe uh, with the big boys, so to speak, and, and win recruiting battles? I know it doesn't happen often, but they've certainly bested Tennessee a couple of times, but Tennessee's been down. Are they able to go against the the Georgias and Alabamas, or there is there always going to be a glass ceiling for Vanderbilt in terms of getting elite players? Uh, I think there's going to be that ceiling unless there's a special circumstance where there's a, you know, a kid that has a tie to the school, a tie to Nashville, or something that, you know, maybe is really, really focused on academics in a particular discipline there that makes it a, you know, home but but for the most part football wise you know like the kid that they got chase lloyd yesterday or you know a couple of days ago atlanta native he you know he's not a kid that georgia was hot after you know kentucky and maryland iowa was interested he's you know atlanta native um i think he's going to play safety for him but it's more of the three-star guy the more of the in conference you would battle against a uh, a Kentucky and Indiana, you know, people ask me a lot of it. Well, how do they recruit relative to Stanford and Northwestern and Duke? Well, it's interesting because Stanford's kind of unique because they have, as compared to Vanderbilt, a lot more majors, meaning kids can study a lot more things. And then they have the state of California that can pull from, but Stanford obviously recruits nationally. It has a national base uh, in a name so does Vanderbilt but Stanford has a bigger name Northwestern would be the second biggest name of these of those academic schools in that they they come kind of from the Midwest the Chicago area and you get a lot of a lot of those type of kids and that uh, maybe in the Midwest that want to go to Northwestern and they have a very broad curriculum in which they can you can study a lot of things Uh, and then then it would be Duke um, which is probably, you know, known very well and definitely um, thought of very highly in the south and the, the Atlantic coast area. And uh, Duke is, ironically, was a football program, and North Carolina was a football program before the Underground Railroad and Frank McGuire. And, but they've really obviously developed a great academic re- reputation. But Vanderbilt, the biggest issue that they have is they don't, they're not as broad-based from a curriculum standpoint. In other words, you can't just study anything over there. There's, there's limitations. So I think that limits them a great deal. And, yeah, they've had some success against Tennessee, but I think that's more about Tennessee than Vanderbilt, quite frankly. They pretty much are in kind of that mold of that kid that's a good fit or a 
good player that they have to develop. Yeah, and they can always give the option of, hey, you want to play in the SEC, this might be your only choice as far as playing in the SEC if the Georgias and the Alabamas and those type of schools aren't uh, going after those young men. Mm -hmm. So there's always that sell as well. I know if, we wanted... if you can get in academically, that that's the challenge. So that you, there you go. And, and I'll tell you this, one thing that they can do is, you know, they've got more of, again, Stanford and Northwestern have more of a national scope, whereas Vanderbilt, I know, you know, Vanderbilt fans listening are probably screaming, oh, we're, we're no nation. Yes, you are, but not to the degree that Stanford and Northwestern are in that order. And then Duke. So it's still more of a re okay. Hey, the, it's still a regional recruiting base that, uh, you know, in the South and you got to fit academically that that's a chance. And if a kid maybe wants to go to Stanford, or Northwestern, or go to the academies, you know, you know, Army, Navy, Air Force, you're fighting those type of kids. Uh, I want to step into the film room. We're going to look at Alabama running back Trey Sanders. But first, uh, LSU, I know you wanted to talk about a couple of uh, key players there. And this offense continues to try to find itself under Ed Orgeron. Uh, Steve, Steve Ensminger now, and um, I'm curious what you think about uh, this offense, uh, how it will come together. Because if you look at LSU's schedule, I mean, I know they have Texas early, but they uh, they open with Georgia Southern after the Texas game. They'll uh, have Northwestern State and then Vanderbilt. So they've got some time. I know you want to win the Texas game, don't get me wrong, but if you lose it, it's non-conference, and you're also in, in a position with the college football playoff, you could still get in with an early loss like that. So... Uh, I know you want to win the Texas game. I, I, I don't want to misspeak there. But you've got a couple of games there where you can kind of find your way uh, in, in terms of that offense if it's not good to go in 100% where they want it in preseason camp. Yeah, I think that, you know, um, Utah State's got an outstanding young quarterback. But you're right. I mean, there's there's a chance, I think a really good chance, um, to them to be five and zero, oh, uh, and they got a bye week in September twenty eighth. But uh, come off of that, and it's a it's a, got two buys. But the first buy is leading into Utah State at home, and uh, they could be five and zero oh before they play Florida, and probably should be. Now I, I tend to think that, and I just don't think beating Alabama is realistic, and so I think if they lose to Texas, dude, I think they're in bad shape because I think you're you're dealing with two losses. And I don't know if a two-loss team gets in, but if they beat Texas and they win every other game, which is possible, you know, Florida's going to be a challenge, Auburn's going to be a challenge, A&M at home's going to be a challenge, but I could see them winning all of those games and just losing to Alabama. Now, if they only lose to Alabama, um, then that a one-loss LSU team that loses to Alabama and Alabama makes the playoffs – that, to me, gives them a better chance of staying in the national playoff race. But long way to go from that. But I think it's going to come down to a couple of things. Offensively for them, um, the running game is going to have to be, you know, on point again. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a kid that I don't think is a special back, but I think he's got good run skills. I think John Emery is a special running back. He's a true freshman, and I think he's going to set things on fire and he's going to be a big, big weapon for them. But Joe Brady, young upstart, you know, guy from the Saints, 
is coming in, receiver coach, and kind of working with the passing game. I'm curious to see how they grow and develop with Joe Burrow, who I think is underrated as a decision maker. I don't think he's an elite passer, but I think he's good. I think he's got backup NFL ability in my view. So I think that's going to be the key and really will determine, because I think defensively they're going to be salty again. Um, And I think the running game can be good. I think the offensive line could get better. I think it's going to really come down to the, the, the mix on offense, can they be better? Now, look, they can, they haven't scored against Alabama in the last two years. That's got to change, obviously. I think it will, but can they score enough in maybe some of these, you know, bigger games that they're going to play? I think the Texas game is going to be pretty big. I think it's going to set the stage. I think they're better than Texas. Um, but, you know, that is always a challenge early. But I, I think they match up pretty well. Um, and, and likely get off the good start. But that running game led by John Emery and then certainly what Joe Burrow can do under Joe Brady I think is going to be the real key. How would you compare Joe Burrow to, uh, let's say, and I don't, I don't want this to sound like a shot at these Alabama quarterbacks, but they, they had a run there where they had quarterbacks that uh, weren't necessarily there to win games and Greg McElroy, John Parker Wilson, but they – they still won a lot of games. I think A.J. McCarron was pretty talented. But could you see Joe Burrow being that type of quarterback that doesn't make mistakes, that maybe doesn't go out there and light it up, uh, but he, he does make enough plays in order to, to win you a lot of football games and maybe make a push at the college football playoff? Is he that type of quarterback? I think he's a sh- just a notch below an A.J. McCarron. He's better than John Parker Wilson and Greg McElroy. Uh, he's more skilled than those two guys. He's tougher, you know, physically. I mean, he can run the football. Those guys couldn't do a whole lot running the football. Or th- this guy can run the football, take hits in the pocket. I mean, he's, you know, bounce up and, you know, like it when you punch him in the mouth and come back and, and, and deliver one to you. He's, he's a, an alpha male type of leader tough guy and he's got a little bit more ability I don't think he's quite as gifted as a passer as AJ McCarron but he's got another year left too we'll, we'll see the difference is is LSU while good they're not as good as those Alabama teams surrounding um you know John Parker Wilson and Greg McElroy those teams were elite this LSU team's good not elite not Alabama not Georgia talent elite then you also had a chance to take a look at uh, Trey Sanders. Um, I'm curious what what you think of him and and uh, his play. And you know, it's 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 tough to fit in early, certainly in, in college football. Do you think he has the ability to be able to do so? You know, he does. Now you gotta bide your time a little bit at Alabama for the most part. You know, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson are really good, but you know. Um, he is special enough, and, and you, we've seen the young guys just kind of take over if they're good enough to do so. Uh, he is a punishing runner. I think he's got ability to put his foot in the ground and change direction. Listen, it's, it's, no, it's no news to say, they're, boy, Alabama, they're good at running back. But uh, Trey Sanders can be special, uh, and it's just going to be about being able to get enough reps to prove yourself and, uh, you know, play that role. They usually like to go with a feature guy 
and then just kind of bring somebody in and, and kind of finish it up. They, they just kind of soften you up. So I think he's going to be the guy with this schedule that's going to get a lot of carries. That's why I wanted to bring him up. I think he's going to have an impact this year, even though he's not going to be the guy. The key is you just can't get frustrated if you don't play a lot in year one. We've seen guys that have left Alabama and uh, to a varying degree of, of success, certainly, but you can't get frustrated. You have to understand what you signed up for, and it's kind of like boot camp. I I've never been in the military, <laughs> but I don't think I don't think boot camp was a lot of fun in the beginning, Chris. No, no, and you got to listen. I think they kids buy into the program, the system there, because when you have the consistent level of success and I know Clemson is, is the chic, you know, hot team right now. And it's certainly the past three years, they're right there. If not with Alabama, maybe slightly ahead, but Alabama has been the program in college football through the lifespan of all these kids that are around, you know, growing up in what I call the recruiting age where they're young enough to, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, watching football on TV. They know the program, the coach, the system is Alabama. So they, they go in with expectations to be good. And they're told, look, this is where you fit of, of any program. Alabama tells a kid what they need to know, not what they want to hear. And that's why they're kids that transfer out of Alabama, but most of them transfer because they're kind of pushed out the nest because they're, they're, you know, they figure out, you know, they don't tell them this, but they basically behind the scenes say, this kid's not as good as we thought, or he, ha- he hasn't really developed like we, you know, we, we need to find him another place and they push him out the door. But most kids don't pick up and leave unless it's a quarterback uh, unless they're kind of pushed out the door because they come in knowing, look, you know, uh, young man, you're really good, Mr. Sanders, but, you know, we got other good guys and you're going to have your chance. It may not be as soon as you think, but you've got every chance to earn it. And like you said, I think that tempers the, uh, the, the edginess of it to where kids are not willing to jump so much from that program as they are others. Coming up, we'll take a look at Auburn's uh, Bo Nix. A lot of expectations there. Uh, also, uh, we'll have a conversation with uh, Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South. So load it up. Stay tuned. We'll be back with you right after this on your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. Get to LandryFootball.com. Be a more learned football fan. You can do that right there at LandryFootball.com. We'll have a conversation with Connor O'Gara with Saturday Down South coming up here momentarily. Also, a preview of Arkansas as we get you ready for the season right around the corner. We'll have a preview of every single team. Uh, so we'll get to that. But first, Auburn's Bo Nix. You, you've spoken very glowingly of him. There's uh, a lot of pressure on him to produce early. Can he do it? You know, I, I don't know. I think he's very talented. But the thing that um, I, I wanted to mention is had a chance to speak with a couple of the coaches. And, and uh, I haven't spoke with Gus, but I have talked with a couple of the assistants. And they say Gus is gushing about Bo Nix. They think he's special. Now, does that mean he's going to line up against Oregon and start and light it up? I don't know. I may very well be Joey Gatewood. But they think 
Bo is special and can do a lot of things that they want. So very curious to see. There's no doubt he's very, very talented. How quickly he can impact this Auburn team is going to probably have a lot to say about this Auburn team and maybe the fate of Gus Malzahn. Yeah, well, we've certainly seen um, we've seen coaches at elite programs. Not saying Auburn is elite, but they'd like to be elite. We've seen them pull the trigger and make quarterback changes in the middle of the season. That used to be a, a sign of desperation. Now it seems to be just a sign of trying to take it to the next level. Clemson's done it. Alabama did it. And um, it happens uh, across the country. So uh, that's not nearly as unusual unusual as it used to be. Well, when you don't have an established guy and you've got two young guys, you know, at some point, you don't really have a, a lot of time to really put them under fire to figure out who's the best. So uh, it absolutely, in a lot of cases around the country, is going to be, yeah, who's going to win the job in August? That's going to be a big, big thing around the country. Who's going to win this job and that job? But it's not an indication that that's where they're headed for the entire season. The play of the starter, once he earns a starting job, will dictate whether he keeps the job or not. All right, it's time for a preview of Arkansas as we break down every team in the SEC. So what do you think about the Razorbacks? Surely well, you guys will have a better season than last year. Well, uh, it better be, huh? Gosh almighty, uh, it, it was it was difficult. I think this is a long build, though. Um, I think it should be better. Uh, you know, they start off with Portland State. They've got Colorado State. They've got San Jose State later in the year, November. they got Western Kentucky. They've got, got to win those games. They really do. And their best chance to win in league is the second week. Uh, I think Arkansas at Ole Miss, September 7th, is a big game. Not for national notoriety, but for, I think, the uh, the sanity of the programs, let's call it, of you know, I don't know that there's there's any games outside of that game in which Arkansas can line up and be as good or close to as good personnel wise. Everybody in the SEC that on an Arkansas schedule is better than Arkansas. Uh, Ole Miss, not a by a whole lot, and I think they could go on the road and win that game. But A and M. Kentucky, Auburn, Alabama, Mississippi State, LSU, Missouri. All of those teams are more talented than Arkansas. So we're talking a different degree of upset for them to pull off any of those games. What are they going to do at quarterback? We know uh, it looks like that obviously Ben Hicks with the background with Chad is going to be the key. But, you know, I think that when you look at them, a defensive line, I think, can be adequate. I think Agam is is a really good player. I think he's got NFL ability. Um, I think Harris, you know, is a good player, and you know, w- with his play, will be allowed to uh, Dijon to 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 be a good edge rusher. They just don't have the depth to do it. I think um, O'Grady and Boyd are decent players. They just don't have enough guys on the defensive side and. You know, John Chavis has been around this league for a while. You know, when he was at Tennessee and LSU and had great players, he's you know he was really good defense coordinator. A and M, not as much talent with Kevin Sumlin on defense, not as good, and he won't be a very good defense coordinator at Arkansas. People will want to fire him and all that. And you know, listen, that's that's the par for the course. They're just not talented enough on defense. I think the offensive line is shaky. 
Um, I think the quarterback situation um, needs to grow and develop. I do think they have improved their receiving core. I think the passing game, the offensive, Chad, will get a little bit better. Um, but I don't know if he'll be good enough. But I do think, you know, Trey Knox and uh, Chiana Grady, I mean, I think are good players. Um, I think Mike Woods, Warren, I think they've got some playmakers at receiver, but I don't think they're they're good enough to be um, a big factor in, in at all in the league. I mean, again, I'm trying to come up with two wins, and, and one of them is probably going to have to be against Ole Miss, and they're going to have to upset somebody. I mean, could they upset Missouri or upset Mississippi State or go to Kentucky and win or beat A&M and all? Yeah, it's possible. It's just very unlikely. I look at Arkansas, and I've said this before, and people have said, well, they're, they're kind of a, 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 a fit that's kind of a, a little bit unique and that, you know, they're not an ideal fit. never been an ideal fit when you think about the SEC. It's a, it's, a, it's a hard place to recruit to because they lost their identity an awful lot when they left the Southwest Conference because they were, you know, a Texas recruiting school. Now they're having to re-identify that. Now, I think that's with A&M coming into the league and you got more kids from Texas that are thinking more and more about SEC ball and you get to catch everybody on TV. I think Arkansas can capitalize on it. Brett Bielema did not recruit very well. I think Chad Morris is recruiting better than Brett. But I, I, I think that the difficulty is, as we've said, climbing the hill in the west of the SEC, it's about as difficult as anything you can imagine. So you can have a top 25 class nationally. You're going to be behind Alabama. You're going to be behind AM. You're going to be behind LSU. You're going to be, be behind Auburn. So you're never going to be any better than the fifth best recruiting class, fifth best talent in the West. Now, can you put a you know, a situation together where every few years you can have a really good team and pull a couple of upsets. I've made the comparison. The ceiling for Arkansas under Chad Morris is to be where Hugh Freeze had Ole Miss. You know, uh, explosive offense, um, you know, make a number of big plays, you know, recruit some more daddies on defense and surprise some people, and, and win eight games, win nine games, maybe pull an occasional upset over somebody. I think that's doable in time, but it's going to take time. I don't ever see Arkansas, unless you know those big-time programs come back to the pack, them getting into the upper echelon of the West. It's Again, it's not about Arkansas catching them. They would have to come back to Arkansas is the way I view it. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful. Arkansas has some money. They have the Walmart money and the Tyson chicken money. But, you know, Chad has is, is got to be able to recruit big time on defense. He's, he's got to get guys that, um, that are going to be difference makers. And if he doesn't do that, then there'll be nothing but a, you know, a, a big 12-ish style offense in the SEC that might catch somebody here or there but they're not going to sustain and win because this is a line of scrimmage league and they're not even close to being a line of scrimmage type of team that can compete with the upper echelon of the, the SEC. Uh, John Chavis is 
he well, a great defense coordinator, good defense coordinator, fine defensive coordinator. You mentioned he's had success with talent. And, uh, you know, he never got that breakthrough to be a head coach, which I know he he wanted desperately. Uh, there are a lot of reasons because of that. But where would you rank him among the defensive coordinators in the SEC from an X's and O's standpoint? Oh, I think he's I think he's solid. I don't think he's special. I, I don't I, I didn't think he was special at Tennessee or LSU. I think that he's he's good. I think he's probably middle of the pack, slightly, slightly below as a defensive coordinator, as an X and O guy. Let me tell you what he is. He has, and the reason is, look, it's all about talent, yes. But, you know, he doesn't do, he, he is not real eclectic in his views of defense. He's a press man guy, play the run with numbers, and when you've got elite corners and you can put numbers in the box to defend the run, um, you can do a lot of things. Well, that's what he does wherever he is. Problem is, you do it at A&M or Arkansas when you don't have the elite defensive talent. It doesn't work very well. It worked very well at Tennessee when the talent was elite. It worked very well at LSU when the talent was elite. When there's a bit of a drop-off, he couldn't adjust and be able to get a little bit more out of his team. You look at, for example, uh, just from a talent standpoint, look at how Kentucky coaches defense, how Missouri coaches defense how Vanderbilt coaches defense. They're far better in terms of X's and O strategy and taking what talent they have and maximizing it to optimal efficiency. That's not what John does. So he's really good when you put him in an elite situation. He'd be very, very good. But, you know, in other situations, he doesn't doesn't fare nearly as well. And people say, well, that's pretty obvious. Well, it's not. You can go to places like Iowa State in the big 12 and look how well they play defense. Now, again, you're still going to give up a lot of points in that league, but look at the talent level at Iowa state and how well Matt Campbell and that staff coaches on defense. That's and Jimmy Laycock was the guy that was responsible for that. Um, that that's the difference, you know, in, in, in what makes him, I think, you know, pretty good, but, but I wouldn't put him among, you know, the upper half of the sec. Coming up, a conversation with Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South. So uh, we had him on uh, the Dave Hooker Show. I'm Dave Hooker. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. Stay tuned. We'll have that conversation with Connor coming up. This is your Locked on SEC Football podcast. Don't forget to go to Twillery.com. Use the Locked on promo code. Get $25 off some fantastic shirts. Stay tuned. Back after this with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back with Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. We had Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South on the Dave Hooker Show. And here is his appearance as we are right around the corner of the season and SEC Media Days just a few days away. I'm doing well. We're a week away from SEC Media Day, so I'm doing really well. How about you? Uh, I'm I'm well. Let me let me lead with that um, because I know next week could be crazy. Um, but if, if it, let me just ask you this: if you could ask any one person, uh, one coach, uh, an, a question, and they had to be a hundred percent honest and forthright, who would it be, and what would the question be? Oh gosh. 
That's a good one. Um, man, oh, you put me on the spot. Yeah, no. Probably something to do with Kirby and his recruiting. Um, what's the price? Something like that, maybe, I think would be good. <laughs> I think SEC pr- fans would probably want to know something like that. Um, I don't know, man. That's that's really tough. What if you? Really what if you? Tough. What if you? Act, act, uh, you ask every football coach, "What's the most you paid for a player?" <laughs> yeah, that would be. That, let's just go along with, with that. We don't need to single Kirby out, even though every SEC fan pretty much does that whenever Kirby gets another five star recruit. But yeah, let's just let's open it up. What's what's the most that you paid for a player, and who was that player? I'm sure. Good. Yeah, I'm sure that would go over well. I would actually like to ask Jeremy Pruitt. Do you feel like Philip Fulmer's looking over your shoulder since he's the AD? Yeah, yeah, but he could squeak out of that one. That's one of those where you throw out there, and he's like, "Oh no!" Like he would, you know, even if he's saying that honestly, like he could still honestly feel in his heart of hearts because he's never been a head coach before, and he could just think, "This is what ADs do, and this is the way that they operate," not knowing that not everybody has has their hands on the program like Phil Fulmer does. I think it's just a little bit different. So he might not even know the, the difference like from a head coach perspective. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, you know, again, we're assuming they take the the truth serum as well. I would actually also like to ask uh, Joe Moorhead what he thinks of Mississippi State's facilities because he, he came out with that um, at SEC spring meetings. Oh, one more than any. Uh, first-year head coach in state history, which seemed defensive to me. I just don't know that that whole thing is going to end well. Your thoughts? Oh, don't be don't be in on my guy Joe Moorhead. That's, oh, is that okay. your guy? We're, we're gonna we're gonna come to blow come to oh, blows no. here if, if we're gonna have a, a Joe Moorhead discussion. <laughs> He's right. He, he did have more wins than anybody in the first-year history of Mississippi State, but that's that's credit to Dan Mullen because Dan Mullen left this program in really good shape, and that was a roster that. You know, three first-round defensive players. I mean, that, that is unbelievable when you think about the history of that program. And to me, that was more about what, what we thought about Dan Mullen and, and, and the job that he did getting them to a top 25 level on a yearly basis. I'm a big Joe Moorhead believer. I, I'm one of those guys that thinks once he gets his recruits in there, once he gets the type of guys that fit his offense, and that's why – you know, he went out and got Tommy Stevens. I, I think that offense is going to do some really good things. I am such a big believer in him as an offensive mind. And he, he, I mean, I know it's only Fordham, but like the guy has been a head coach before. So it's not, you know, there are elements of this job that, that are still new to him and the around the clock coverage that comes with it in the SEC. But at the same time, like, I, I think that ultimately he is going to be a, a great fit there in the long run. I, I don't see it ending quite as poorly as you might. I think that bigger and better things are ahead. Let's not forget, like, Dan Mullen only had one season with a winning record in the SEC while he was in Mississippi State. I, I think the, the, the stage is set for Joe Moore had to do a, a whole lot more than, than just that. And I, I, I'm, I'm still – I have all of my Joe Moorhead stock. I have not sold a, a single share. Connor, you, you're also a big believer in, in Kentucky. No Benny Snell, no Josh Allen, but Mark Stoops still impresses you. Uh, exact, exactly why. Could you talk about that? I think Mark Stoops has gotten to this place where we should just be able to trust him on a yearly basis. And I think that's part of his frustration with this, this whole offseason narrative about his team. Because, yes, you're right, Benny Snell and Josh Allen are kind of once-in-a-generation type players for, for Kentucky. And I think that 
there's a tendency with a program that is not a traditional power to look at two guys like that and think, all right, now they will fall off the face of the earth. But what that's discounting is that you, you need to look at the two seasons before last with Kentucky. I mean, Mark Stoops had a couple of seven-win seasons coming into those years, and I think that he has elevated that program to where now we should kind of have a little bit of a, okay, we feel like his floor is much higher than it was before. I, I feel like Kentucky's floor is now at, at a seven-win level, and I think that you know the way that this team was being talked about last year, I had him predicted to win five games, and I wasn't alone in that. And to think that this year there are people like Phil Steele who think that they're not even going to make the postseason, to me that's, that's just absolutely ludicrous. Like what Mark Stoops has done with two- and three-star recruits, these rejects from the state of Ohio who weren't good enough as recruits to get offers from the big-time you know, Ohio State and Michigan and stuff like that, I, I think it's unbelievable what he's done. And I think that we should learn to trust him on a yearly basis because the guy clearly knows what he's doing. And for all the, the turnover that they have on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I think that Mark Stoops is such a good defensive mind that he's going to be able to figure things out just like he did last year. And they might not have a 10-win season necessarily, but I think the schedule is really favorable. And I think that they've, they're they going to be even more versatile, a little bit more balanced on offense. And I think this, is, this team is not going to fall off the face of the earth, as many are predicting. Um, Florida, are they ready for this offseason just to be over? Uh, Justin Watkins, the latest um um, he is a former four-star member of Dan Mullen's 2018 signing class in Gainesville back in the news as he violated his, his probation. And you had the whole transfer issue with the guys wanting out because of an alleged sexual assault. I mean, I, if I'm Dan Mullen, I want to get to that practice field as quickly as possible. Oh, absolutely. We just got news in the last 10 minutes that Brian Edwards says he's en- entering the transfer portal and he's he's going to be out of Florida as well. So. I mean, this has not been the offseason that Dan Mullen hoped for. I, I think it, anybody, any Florida fan could, could at least admit that, that at this point, with all of the roster turnover they've had, I mean, to lose four players from your current class, including your top-rated guy, your, your four-star quarterback as well, to lose them before they even play a game, I mean, that's one of those things that, as, as a coach, you, you dread SEC media days because you know you are going to get asked a lot about that. And, and I think that a year like that is going to become, I tweeted this the other day, I think this is going to become a little bit more common in the transfer portal era with a lot of recruiting classes sort of breaking up before they ever really form, before they ever really get to play a game. But at the same time, it's a bad look, and there's no way around it. You come off you come off a 10-win season, and you think you have all this momentum, and you're hoping to get on George's level, and you're talking trash, you're doing all that. That's all well and good, but you've you got to be able to, to have some sort of continuity uh, in the offseason. You've got to be able to manage these egos. And that was the thing that we were wondering about with Dan Mullen is how is he going to handle this? How is he going to handle being in the spotlight? And, and I think that we're seeing, you know, there, there's still there's still a learning curve there for him. And I think there's still a, a bit of an adjustment period of being in a big-time program and understanding that you've got kids who want to play. You've got kids that think that they deserve to play. And you got to learn how to talk with them and how to deal with, with situations that you didn't have to deal with at Mississippi State. And I think that it still remains to be seen how Dan Mullen is going to fare with that long term. But for right now, I'd say he's not doing as well as he'd like to be. Well, that was Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South. For Chris Landry, I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic day, everyone. We will talk to you tomorrow. Please give us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Tell us what you think and uh, feel free to tweet me at the Dave Hooker or Chris Landry at Landry Football. Are there any topics that you would like us to discuss? We'll be glad to 
Uh, pull you out of the mailbag and, and, and take your questions. So that's your Locked on SEC Football Podcast. Have a great day, everyone.